Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is Dennis Terrell of Terrell Knifeworks, and you and I are listening to the Work For It podcast, where the emphasis is on business in the workshop. You can support these guys for as little as $1 a month or $12 a year, and show your support by going to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. $12 a year? That won't even buy two gallons of gasoline here in California. You might as well support these guys like I do so they can help us all work for it. I got a new microphone and I was, I did my first podcast with it with Jeff Fader uh, at full blast. So I just recorded with him. So in the next week or so, you're going to hear that coming out. But we were just testing out the microphone. <laughs> microphone. Listening to <laughs> version of the work for it Death metal in the workshop. That's right. You're listening to. Now it's business in the workshop. That's right. <laughs> Brian House, Brian Cohn, Pickle Cutters, Nick Tobin, right up there in America's hat, Canada. And we're talking about business in the workshop. And I wanted to kick off the show with uh, just uh, uh, some appreciation for everybody who has followed along with the work that we're doing here the patrons we're getting new patrons every week people joining up because they want to be a part of it watching what we're doing and developing uh, ultimately the my dream my vision for what i had in i had saw in my mind five years ago when we started this journey together and uh, we've got so many cool collaborations going on we've got people working together that would um, that help each other rise up. It's just I, I've, I'm having a very warm feeling this morning, mm. even though it's cold outside. But it's it's nice uh, to to know that together we are better. Together we collaborate and make each other better. I've got people in my DMs who are learning CAD and and picking that whole thing up because I talk a lot about it on this show. And they're following along with the things, the projects that I'm doing, and they're seeing the progression that I'm making as far as my product development. And they want more for themselves and more for their lives. And they're learning. And I just, this is exactly how I envisioned it. And it's so cool to see it kind of coming to fruition. Mm. I mean, it's a long journey, right? I mean, we're only just, you know, maybe one-tenth of the way into it. But then being able to come here on the podcast and then have thousands and thousands of people download the show every day and listen to us talk about it, it's just mind boggling. And I I want you guys to know I'm soup. I have this heart full of gratefulness mm. this morning. So anyway, how are you guys doing? It's been really good so far this week. It's been really good over here at Beco Knives. I haven't been crazy productive. I only finished up two knives this week. Now, hold on a second, though, Brian. I think you have yeah, been productive yeah, yeah. Yes. because we've been watching the the innovations in the shop, the the uh, cord uh, development. You and your uncle Jim, yeah, for the win, yeah, dude. That ceiling went in, and it was some backbreaking work, but it was so fun doing it with. Uh, you know, my uncle Jim, who I've oh, I've been, uh, you know, I've talked about in previous podcasts. We used to, you know, wrestle together back back in high school. 
So we have this connection of hard work already. So to kind of rekindle that was really, really fun for sure this week. Can I ask you a quick question about your ceiling cone? Yeah, go for it. Why did you guys opt for OSB rather than drywall? So OSB, I can like screw things to, I can hang things up there. Um, It's a little bit, and honestly, I was looking at the price point difference. It wasn't that much different. Okay, that's what I I was wondering if there was a big difference. Was the OSB more money? Slightly more money, but to me worth it. You know, it makes sense what you're saying. I was just wondering, you know, yeah, it's just, uh, I've never thought about the, the anchoring for, you know, fastening things down or whatnot. There's always yeah. a workaround to that, but that's a, that's a good call. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What's the, what's the fire resistance of OSB versus drywall? Negative. Do you know that? <laughs> Negative. Yeah. Uh, my, my plan is to paint it in the future. So I will be putting a nice thick coat of paint on it. Um, okay. I might also around like the forge area, put up more of that stainless or that steel mm, over top yeah. of it. Um, that is the plan, but over, over like my workbench area, I don't think I really need the stainless steel over that. It's really no, just over no, the no, forge no. and the kiln. So there's a, yeah, there's a 15 minute thermal barrier with OSB board. LP OSB has a fire resistant coating bonded to it. Yeah. Oh, so there is okay. a fire well, resistant bonding, but once you get through that fire resistant bonding, you got to think about all that glue that's holding all of that together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's probably, like yeah. I said, some fire rated OSB sheeting, which is probably the same with drywall where you have regular drywall and you have fire retardant drywall. Yeah. So, you know, regular OSB is probably not the same. I'm thinking. What's, what's your um, shop done with? OSB Pickle? baby. Yeah, so I mean, come on now, you're getting yeah, no, shit, it's a, but here we are. It, it's OSB all the way Nobody's around up front. You any shit, the back, the backside is that uh, corrugated uh, sheet metal like you got, but yeah. some older stuff. I picked up yeah. and re- upcycled that, and uh, one wall is actually OSB, but you know, I've never worried about it. I've even like with welding, you know, my floors are you know fucking plywood. Everybody's all worried about fire. Um, I was talking with uh, the owner of the steel company up here, the road, up the road. And he said, the only thing I would worry about fire when it comes to welding is that little, you know, that little speck of fire coming from your welding, get into a crack without you seeing anything happen. And then at night, but other than that, a spark will hit the ground and go out right away pretty much. Right. So. Right. I've never even. Two more times I've had, you know, fright from fire in my shop was actually dropping something red hot out of the forge onto the floor and having a hard time picking it up and everything flaming up. That's scary. That's where I'm lucky. I have a cement pad that I'm standing on, so it's it's all good. Yeah, cement cement is good for that, obviously. Yeah. Well, it looks good, Brian, and I like the lights and everything. Those are LED lights that you put in? Yeah, we put in 17 6-inch LED lights. Uh, I bought a pack of 24 of them, but I thought, like, 24 of them would be way too much. Turns out I probably could have put in all 24, but, hey, that's fine. I'll have a... More light is never a bad thing, but you can add, like, a because you have that OSB sheeting, you can really easily hang, you know, uh, task lighting, you know, wherever you want. Yeah, I mean, in the... In my old lighting situation, I I think I had like five LED bar strips or maybe six of them. So I'm planning on just putting all of those back up. I mean, it's all of the LED, all of the can lights 
those are all addition to what I had already that I'll be putting back up today. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. yeah. No, it looks amazing, man. It looks like a great, uh, a great progression yeah, of your workshop. And plus, yeah. you know, fact, I can actually get keep it. myself warm now. <laughs> For sure. That's true too. So do you have, do you have insulation above it? Not yet, but that is the plan. But that so. barrier definitely helps keep some heat in there for sure. Like without yeah. evacuating all the heat through your trust in your roof. So yeah, you're definitely sure. one step ahead of what you were, bud. Yes, sir. That's the plan. So pickle, Fantastic. what's going on up in Canada? All kinds of shit. We got bipolar mother nature. We got, we got, we got a, a potential big deal going on here as well in the knife shop. I, um, I picked up some leftovers from a previous Canadian maker that was uh, doing something with a Canadian barbecue company called Hellraiser here. And, mm -hmm. um, so I got the last 11 of those blades to finish up for them and, uh, potentially run into a, a another run of a hundred blades after that. Wow. So I, that kind of fell into my laps over the past week. I, uh, received those 11 blanks yesterday. And if we do move forward with the project, we're definitely going to do another design, change things up a bit and all that, and have uh, different tiers in the product line as well, too. Like, all three tiers will be the same blade, but just different handle materials to uh, moderate the um, the prices on them, you know. So, And not only that, somebody that's going to buy one knife that's a diehard, you know, either collector or user, uh, from what I understand with this guy here, um, you could put out one of my knives and then just change a handle to type on it. And the same person that bought the first one will get the second one. We'll get the third one. Kind of like what my t-shirts, what I'm doing, you know, like mm -hmm. I put out limited supply amounts of shirts and every design is different. So whoever bought the first shirt is most likely going to want to buy the second and the third and so on. So sure, that's what we're kind of aiming towards with that. So we're going to have like some hybrid epoxy wood handles, some straight up wood handles, and then some like bead blasted G10 handles. The, so to jump so to jump back a little bit in this conversation, you, you got this Hellraiser brisket slicer, it kind of looked like. Yeah, it's a, ten, it's a 10 inch blade and it's a, yeah. it's aimed for as being a slicer for sure. Okay. It's uh, it's not my design. I'm not even sure if uh, Buddy, who owns Hellraiser, came up with the design, or the previous maker who was making them came up with it. But sure. uh, it's a pretty. But you're just cool finishing design. them because they got out of knife making. Yes, that other person got out of knife making, and life happened, and everything else. So they were unable to accomplish the order, and um, not that they were. I don't. I whatever. I'm not too too. Uh, too, too knowledgeable of everything that went down in Buddy's life, right? Because it's not of my fucking business. So, uh, yeah, life just happened, and uh, he doesn't make knives anymore. Mm. We'll so you're going to finish out these 11, and then just to fulfill that order, make sure everyone's happy. And then it sounds like you said you're going to kind of design it as your design and continue with that? We're going to work. Uh, we're going to figure out a new design. If I do go forward with this after these 11, because – a hundred is a lot more than 11, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking knives. Um, I could do it. No problem. Uh, we just got to figure out time and all that shit. Uh, prices, pricing's already figured out, okay. which is decent. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not hurting by doing any of this. I'm making decent money. So is okay. he. And uh, sorry, everybody, if I got the sniffles, I'm sick just like everybody else. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> 
so yeah. So if we do go forward, like I said, we're going to, you know, redesign a new design completely, probably uh, together, me and the owner of the business. I'm obviously going to have my input because he told me, he's like, if you want to get creative with what you got for these blanks and redesign it a bit, I was like, no, I don't want to step out of your original design. We're right. going to create a new design when time comes, if anything. So Cool. And I think he's digging my uh, Nikiri cleavers that I do that have like a swoop to the spine. If yeah. you look at my uh, my business page on Facebook, my, my banner picture, that one there, he's got a boner for that one. So Now... I've I've got to admit something here. Um, that cleaver I did where the deer walked up on me with the big swoop on the spine of it, I kind of took cues off of that knife that you just said. Oh, that's all good. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Inspiration. Well, I maybe. know. And, you know, the the whole thing of you, you'd see something that you really like and you change it to your own. But this oh, yeah. big swoop on the spine is totally like I saw that version, that Nakiri that you made. I was like, ooh. Yep. That's cool. yeah, I'm a sucker for those with it. I don't know why Nikiri's for well, when I'm doing these cleavers for some reason, I don't dare call it a Nikiri because somebody's gonna come out and be like, that's not a Nikiri, that's not how it's made. Right. But uh <laughs> but yeah, it's uh I like putting that soup in there because it's just just so nice. It looks good there. It looks yeah. racy. It looks like you could yeah. race another knife. <laughs> there you go. Did cone, so I had, uh, not cone, but uh, where's house? Like we haven't heard house in a minute. I'm, oh, I'm okay, here. I'm just listening. <laughs> I'm listening to your story. It's a, it's a great story. Uh, we, in fact, we brought this up on the full blast podcast where Jeff was very complimentary of the addition of pickle to the show here. And, um, and we talked about the different developmental uh, progressions of our careers, mm. you know, um, amongst what we're doing. And so, it's going to be a great episode. Go listen to it when it comes out. I think it's like a week or two weeks out. Yeah, I can't um, wait to hear that. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, uh, I kind of fill in when Jeff needs somebody and whatever at from time to time. And I, I find that like that he is comfortable asking me to do that as a, uh, it's like an honor for me. Like yeah. I love being on that. Well, it's show. a friendship it's, as and well. It's great too. to have a, con- you know, you guys, yeah. you guys actually got the chance to meet in person at one point in life. And that completed that, that, that all those commonalities that you guys have together, like in common and all that. And then you guys just became good friends. You know what I'm saying? Like our friendship grew yes. compared to when we hadn't met yet compared to when we had met, you know, like, yeah. Not meeting somebody is yeah. kind of hard to gauge somebody. So once you actually meet somebody in person, from what I've learned with this whole online business thing and going out to Atlanta and meeting all these other people, you know, some people might be cool online, but they could be real fucking Richards in real life. And <laughs> uh, so it's always cool to be able to get to meet some of these people, you know. Cause all right, not- Pickle, now you got to name somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Chances are, if they're if they are a uh, you know I a could dick in real life, I'm pretty sure that they're a dick online. Yeah, too. and and I'm not. I could I could go ahead and name him out. Like I'll call his name out. No, 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 no. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> He's not even part of the community anymore. So I'm sure you guys just figured out who I'm talking nah. about, right? Uh, nah, no, no. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I really, think. But... Uh, I th- I think that when. You know, we're from the standpoint of being on a podcast like, you know, me and Jeff doing the same kind of work uh, a little bit 
and then us like taking ideas and sharing them because you know he's in one side of the world and i'm on the other side of the world and so it's uh, the maker world anyway i feel like there's a absolute benefit to listening to two guys talk about that because from a business standpoint He's applying some of my principles and I'm applying some of his principles. And so we're sharing each other's ideas. This is what I was talking about in the intro. I feel like the collaboration that we've got going on just makes us better. Oh, yeah. And I am, I am, I have had some experiences where there there's competition involved in between, you know, like where we, a couple of times it's been brought up about certain instances, certain things that have occurred and, you know, like so-and-so is doing this um, project now and look, everyone is making ashtrays. Everyone is making uh, scoops and all this shit because they're watching you do it, Brian. And now they're inspired and they want to do it. How does that make you feel? And it's like, dude, it makes me feel good. I am not a scoop maker. I am not an ashtray maker. I am a guy that makes things because I enjoy it. And my goal is to inspire more people to keep making. Yeah. You know, you're doing it. I think we kind of forget about this because there's a little bit of a competition thing going on. And I get it. Some people are competitive and, and I totally understand that idea. And it makes a lot of sense. However, think of it differently. Think about all of us being on the same ship together or in the same bay in multiple ships. And remember that we're doing all of this work. We only have a, a finite amount of time to to kind of live this life out. And we're only going to have our health for so many years and all of that. And remember, it's not about what, you know, what the other guy is doing or whatever. I saw somebody, I'm not going to name names, but I saw somebody who I really respect in the industry recreate one of my pieces. And I was like, that's fucking awesome. Like, I loved it. I was just like, hell yeah. This person didn't tag me. This person didn't show me any, uh, you know, uh, give me yeah. any credit. And maybe it had nothing to do with me. Maybe it's just my ego talking here. But <laughs> at, at the same time, Watching that person work and use these tools and know that maybe they saw me do it and and they wanted to try it, it made me feel good. And it should make you feel good, too. This is what you were saying, Brian, about taking the little swoop from Pickles Design. And he doesn't mind. You know, it's that kind of mentality we need to apply to more of our work. Right. I said. And don't see it as like that person stole it yeah. it's hey that person was inspired and that's okay yeah i had a customer buy a knife for me and when he purchased a knife he's actually a a beginning he's a maker he started making he's not like a full-time or he's just a hobbyist maker so he bought a knife off of me uh, one of my uh little buddies and when he bought it he told me a story how he's just getting into knife making as a hobby and this and that and he really likes my little river design and he wanted to know if he could if he could use it you know what mm. I did? I cut him out at the exact template of the PK Little River, and I sent it off to him. I said, oh, give it a different name. Yes. Give it a different name. Love it. So I sent him the little buddy with a PK Little River template, and I said, enjoy it. Let me see what you do with it. Mm. That is amazing. Well, That's exactly It's, it's a I'm knife design. About. You know, it's like it's like if these vehicle companies would, you know, start fighting over each other because uh, – 
a vehicle has four wheels, right? You know, it's basic, mm. you know, vehicle requires four wheels. So just like a knife requires an edge and a handle, it's all about design. And so what if the new Bronco looks like a blazer and a Jeep had sex together? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It's it's still a fucking you Jeep. You can't, you, you took the words out of my mouth, man, because I, I have this exact same thing. Cause people say this all the time and look at this guy, he's making a, a grinder and it looks just like yours. And I'll, I'll just say it one more time. And so you guys can hear it. A business is more than just the design of one thing. Yeah. Okay. It's somebody could take my exact business model and recreate it. Okay. And people have, and it still doesn't really affect me. Like people think it affects me. And, uh, and, and it's not because I'm sitting here going, cause I'm the best and you know, I'm established mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. It's because there's so much more to a business than creating one product. Yeah. There's logistics, there's marketing, there's all the Process. all the things that swim around it. And I tell people like, look, hey, you, you know, if you really love, if you really love grinders, make grinders mm-hmm. and do it and be my competition yeah. and, and get into the market. But here's what I'm going to tell you. If you don't really love grinders, like I love grinders and I love tools, that market will fucking eat you alive you don't really understand like people think well brian's doing it so i'm gonna do it too and you know i kind of sort of understand it but at the same time i'm like you know here's the thing you're really you really have to take the passion piece of whatever it is do not become a smash and grabber you've Mm. seen these videos of these guys in the streets of seattle and san francisco they roll up on a car and they smash a window and then they grab whatever the contents of the car is Mm. This is how people treat business. They think I'm going to come into a market. Oh, that's easy. I know CAD. I can design anything. I can do this. I can do what Brian House is doing. I can do what, you know, uh, all these other companies are doing. And I can, I can take a piece of that market share. And I'm, and I'm going to just say, look, yeah, at the time, when you get into this, you, you think to yourself, you're going to do it. And that's great. But the CAD component is just one one hundredth of mm. all of the other things you have to learn in order to maintain and create a successful business. I'm not trying to discourage anyone. What I'm trying to say is be careful with what you choose to make and sell. This is the this is what the takeaway of this conversation should be. If you really love something, you love engineering, you love knife making, you love making whatever it is, then take all that and learn and share your process and progress of building your business and then turn that into whatever it is you want to do to make money. It's not the I saw something shiny and I think I can make it and I think I'm going to go off and do that. And be and in you know beat everybody out of the market. When I look at anything at all now, I, my eyes are open to the understanding of what a market looks like. Think of whatever you're selling. Think of it like you're like Blade Show is a great example. You're standing in a think. This is an excellent analogy. You're standing in a room filled with 500 guys or a thousand guys selling the exact same thing you're selling for the most part. Exactly. You're selling a piece of steel with an edge on it. Right. They all cut. And yet somehow in that building, pretty much everybody sells at least one thing. Right. It to somebody else. Somebody walks in that room and buys something from someone else. They have all these choices. In fact, they have choices 
all the way down to like $5 or $10, right? And yet somebody over at another table sells pretty much the exact same functionality tool for $1,000 or $2,000. Think of it in terms of that. Like everything you do, there's buyers and sellers for each individual niche. So you could break it down as much as you want and think, this is what and I'm going to go into this fucking capitalist, you know, bullshit that I always talk about. But I'm telling you right now, this is a fertile market filled with a lot of people doing the same thing, but they're all finding their niche. So there's no reason for you to just pick something because you think it's profitable. And you know what? Pick something because you think because you love it. Mm. Pick it because it's your passion. Pick it because it's because when the sales are down and you're like sitting there looking at your bank account, and you barely have enough money to keep it going. That passion component is what's going to fuel you to continue. I have seen so many guys start something and then Dude. like there's a statistic out there. Ninety eight percent of all businesses that are started fail. And if you pass the one year mark, you're in the top one percent of the one percent. And if you pass five years, five fucking years, which Housemaid just did. You're killing it. If you pass five years, you are in the top 1% of the 1% of the 1% because so many people start at the wrong place. Mm. Remember this. Hear my words. Start at the wrong place. Think of it in terms of you walk up to a golf course. It could be Frisbee golf in your case, Brian. You walk up, right? Start at the 18th hole. (laughs) Exactly. You've started at hole number 10 when you should have started at hole number one. And you you just, but you didn't know because you walk in and you just like, hey, I'm just going to go here. And I'm going to, and everybody's going, what the fuck are you doing? You're in the wrong spot. Remember that starting point is important, but don't, put too much thought into it don't sit here and overthink and overthink overthink but take a broad view of the things that you love to do and then apply that to your business making process okay and if i if i had done this 20 years ago i would be 10 or 100 times more successful than i am today but because i was so young i was 30 years old when i started uh well let's see no i was 28 when i started my first business and I, I realized like, oh, I think I can make it work with technology and I want to do computer work and all this and stuff. I love technology at the time and I really wanted to try it. And I did and it was OK, but the it really wasn't my true calling. My true calling is in engineering and content creation and product development. And once I started to realize it took so fucking long for me to realize that's where I belonged, I it was almost as if. Uh, somebody strapped a rocket engine, a turbine, massive jet engine to the back of my head and just shot me into space. I just fucking went. And it was because I started in the right place. But I had to start like, you know, five times. But you know what else you have to start now. with? What is that right mindset? Mm. You have mm. to walk into it mm. with the right mindset. You could be as established sure. as you want and still fail if you have the wrong mindset, right? So, an example, I was talking to a fellow Canadian maker yesterday. His uh, his regular daytime job, well, nighttime job, whatever, uh, he's got a full-time job outside of knife making. He's an established knife maker. Uh, I've been telling him for the past three years that he should just go full-time. 
And it seems to scare him because yesterday his place of full-time employment went up in flames. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. So uh, him and I were talking last night, and I was like telling him, well, now's your chance to go full-time. And he seems to be scared right away. Mm. Like his mindset is not, I'm sure there's all this shock going and all this worry going on because, you know, he just lost his job. Like the place went up in flames. So like there's a way to do it, especially that you're already in the game. You're already in these, these knife magazines and everything. You've been to blade show several times. You are a journeyman Smith you got everything already made out for you if you're going to go full time right and he's got the ins not we could say the insecurities i guess yeah but anyways he's uncertain about it and he's not sure it's going to work out for him and that's the mindset i'm talking about that you need to change Mm. you know if you're if you have everything in hand and you got all those tools and you're well equipped with the knowledge the skills and the equipment there's nothing stopping you now. You have all the time in the world to make it yours. So, you know, mindset as well, too. You know, you could do something you hate and make a living out of it, but you're going to fucking hate it, right? Right. 100%. Yeah. And I did that yeah. for a lot of years. I, I really despised the industry towards the end of it. And um, in the, I would say the last five years of me owning that company, I, I literally hated it. Yeah, and you were probably miserable, uh, I too. I was depressed and down. Yeah. yeah, I was. I was drinking too much, and I was just trying to just numb myself yeah. because I had created this thing, and everybody's like, look at you, man. You got your own shop, and you got five employees, and you got all this stuff going on. Man, you're so successful. And inside, I wanted to die. Mm-hmm. I hated it. And that is... You know, it could be seen as entitlement or whatever, but it was just not my true path. I just did not love the business anymore, and I made the the right choice to pivot and change it up. I will say, you know, when you get started on this journey and you start sorting this out, you know, it's okay to be tentative. Like, everybody has those feelings of, like, hey, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah, that slight hesitation. there's a lot of hesitation and it's okay because you know, you probably a conservative mindset, right? You want to make sure that you can still provide for yourself and your family. But here's the, here's the thing. What I have discovered is that if you want it bad enough, you will Mm -hmm. get it. Yeah. Okay. You will make it work. Like that first cone. Yeah. Cone is the, is a classic example of this. He knows what it feels like to be working in a, and a job that he felt was a dead end mm-hmm. position and, you know, going to work for this big corporate life sucking soul sucking uh, place and realize like he had to make changes in order to, you know, get out of that. And <clears throat> I just, I have a lot of respect for that and also empathy because I really just, <laughs> I know what it feels like from a different perspective, but the same. Yeah to see someone like going to a job every day and really disliking it. And, yeah. you know, it's but sad. at the same time, I see a whole lot of people just sitting on their hands, not doing anything because they don't fucking believe they don't believe that they can make the change and be successful at it because they've not seen anyone around mm. them do it. Mm. I was blessed with my father who is the mega risk taker still is like he is hands down the guy that just goes in with both feet. I watched him. I watched him fail more times than I can count. I've yet and to meet never, Mr. House. Well, when you meet him, you're going to go. Yeah. You know, he's older now, so he's mm-hmm. like 78, but 
he is one of these guys that literally failed more times than most people try. Mm. And I watched the failures, you know, and I was, I was witnessed. I witnessed his like mental break at one point where, you know, things were just not going his way and he was in a really tough spot. And this guy, like he's, he sulked for a day or two and then he popped right up and said, I've got, I've got another thing I want to do. I want to try this now and became highly mega successful in his late fifties. Okay. You know, most people, they strive to be successful in their thirties and their forties. And, and like me, I found kind of success somewhere around 40 and my dad didn't make it until he was like in his late fifties, you know? So you're saying I still have success ahead of me. That's what you're, well, this is every day I met a, I, uh, dude, every day, and I still do too. Yeah. In fact, uh, I'm, I'm, I had a guy come to my house. He had to install something. And he was 26 years old, and he saw my. I got for Christmas. I got one of these little um, LED lights that says "On Air." <laughs> so as I'm recording this right now, right behind me, there's like a lit up sign Ooh. that says "On Air," and he walked past it and he goes, "Hey, do you have a podcast?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "What is it?" And I said, "Told him," and he goes, "Oh man, I'll check that out." You know. And we started talking and I said, what's your dream? You know, and I'm I'm not trying to disparage this young man, but, you know, he showed up in a truck to like deliver something to me and like he had to install it. So it was it was it was a job that most people would consider very blue collar. Okay, and um, and he did a great job and he really dedicated himself to it and took my suggestions and all this stuff. Anyway, long story short is we're talking and I said, well, what do you, what do you do with, you know, what, what is your dream to do? You don't want to do this job every day, do you? And he goes, no, 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 no. He says, I'm into the financial markets. I, I follow all these capital guys, venture capitalists and stuff. And, um, and, and he's telling me all this, you know, financial stuff. And I'm like, I don't understand all that stuff, but I, I have a feeling that you're going to do this. And he goes, well, why, why do you feel that way? And uh, to, to give you some context, uh, he had a little bit of an accent. He was from Miami. Uh, his parents, he was born in Honduras. Mother and father were born in Honduras. He was born in Honduras and came over like 10 years ago. Okay. Learned English, got a job and started working. And I said, because you're standing here in my house and you drink every day drives from Miami. And if you know, Miami's like a couple mm. hours away to come over here in a rider truck and do this work. And, and I said, I can see the look in your eyes. And at the time I couldn't really tell how old he was. I thought maybe he was in his thirties and he, and I said, how old are you? He goes 26. And I said, Holy shit, man. Buckle up, I said, son. I guarantee you by the time you're probably in your mid thirties, you're going to be a millionaire. And he goes, what, what do you mean? You know? And I said, because I stood here and listened to you talk for 10 minutes about how much you love these markets and how you're just you're he says, I sit in this rider truck because we don't have deliveries all t- all the time. So he sits on his phone, phone plugged into the truck and he watches guys doing this trading stuff. And he started with like, a you know, thousand dollars or whatever. And he's raised a bunch of more money and a bunch more capital. And he's doing this all from his phone in his rider truck while he's making these deliveries. OK. And he see he knows what it's like to be poor and hungry. Mm -hmm. And he came from a place like Honduras 
And he came to the land of the free, the place where you can get it done, the United States. He came here, this fertile ground, this capitalist, you know, pig pen that we have over here that a lot of these, <laughs> I'm, I surf around on the internet and on Reddit and I listen to all these, these misinformed people talking about how poor, uh, how, how shitty America is. And, um, and I, it, it, it enrages me, but, uh, at the same time, I, I get to chance to witness these people who are from other places. Florida is filled with people, Cubans, Haitians, all these people who know what it feels like to live in a place where you don't have all the rungs on the ladder and they come to America to look for a better life. You might start driving around like from Miami to Fort Myers and Naples, delivering things and installing things on people's walls when you're in your 20s. But by the time you're in your 30s, if you play your cards right, you're a fucking millionaire. And it's because you wanted it bad enough. Okay. And you wanted to do it. He knew and his parents knew that they could not do that in Honduras. I mean, it's the chances of that being done there are very small. But the minute they got on that boat and they came across, they knew that they had the opportunity to do it here. And it's because we've set up a system in this country that blesses the hardworking. It blesses the people who decide they want to take a risk and do it because you have the opportunity to do it. Okay. And if you think that you can get this done in other countries, I'm sure your quality of life could be different, say, if you move to Denmark or you move to Holland. But you should look into how hard it is to get into those countries and just let anybody in. When you look at the United States, we literally have it written. Give us your poor. Give us your hungry. You're tired. We want you. Come here and work and do this work. And I'm seeing gen- the latest generations now. I'm seeing certain people rise up and climb out of that. But I'm hearing an awful lot of young people who are angry about the situation that they're in. I hear them angry. I can't make a living. I can't pay my rent. I can't I can't do this. I can't do that. I am restricted because of this, this, and this. And I want to grab them by the shoulders and I want to shake them. And I want to say, you are the only restriction. You are the only thing in your own way. Because if I can do it and I'm not that smart, and if this young man driving this rider truck, he's got everything against him. You know, he comes from another country. He had to start at less than zero. He comes here. He may, he starts working. He meets people. I'm sure he's walking into all these big houses and doing this work. And he's looking around and he's going, I want a piece of the American dream. I want a piece of the American pie. And he's grabbing for it. And he's clawing and he's climbing. If I knew what he knew at 26, I'd be, like I said, 100 times more successful than I am today. It's just that you have to want it bad enough. And the minute you realize, like, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to, I don't want to be poor. I never want to know what it feels like to be hungry again or worry about money or whatever it might be. This is the place to do it. And I love that about having that conversation with that young man, because, you know, I live in a bubble now. I don't see anybody outside of my shop for the most part. Tell me and uh, to have that conversation with that young man, it was pretty great. And by the way, he spelled his name B-R-Y-A-N. Woo! 
<laughs> yeah, dude, no joke. His name was Brian. When he introduced me, I, I was like, uh, there's a guy named Brian that was born in Honduras. He's like, yeah, man, it's a common name. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, jeez. Oh, All right. Nice. Okay. Anyways, I'll get off my soapbox All now. I'm... But I just want you guys listening to this right now to to have to take a little bite of the of the perspective that I have every single day because I know tomorrow it could all be gone. All right. And if, if you think that you want to change your life, I highly encourage you to do so in a side hustle of making things in your garage or your workshop can most definitely do that for you. And I'm glad to inspire an entire generation of makers. And thank you so much for the opportunity can I, to do so. Can I add so, one thing to that, Brian? You can pile on. Not all that wander are lost. That's true too. Yes. Yeah, so no matter if it feels like it's not the right place to be at the right at the at the moment, and the the hardships are real, uh, if you really want it, you're gonna get it, and you're gonna wander around for a while. But it took me 39 years to finally say that I'm doing what I, I am truly passionate about mm-hmm. in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like without even knowing this was my passion. So, you know, life is full of surprises and uh, not because you're walking circles around what seems pointless. That doesn't mean you're going the wrong direction. You're just making your own path to where you want to be. Mm. So I think I think that you you were put in an interesting set of circumstances. You know, I, you I lost, lost my job. job. Yeah. COVID hit. But the core of your success really comes from inside of you. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that, yeah you know, maybe you were wandering for a long time. Oh, yeah. But a guy like you sees something and says, I want to try that, and I want to see if I can make a go of it, and then you actually executed that. That's Hmm. the part that I think a lot of people have, like, two-thirds of that equation. You know, they they think they can do it, or they might be able to do it. They have the tools, and they have the know-how, but they don't have the the ability to take the jump, the drive, just, the mindset. They're stuck in yeah. their head. Some people have it. Yeah. Some they're stuck don't. in their head. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Anyways, listen, uh, are you guys uh, interested in going into WFI projects? I got a lot of feedback last week that people really enjoyed us talking about yeah. that. And, um, it, have we gone over our work weeks oh, enough? Yeah, I know I've just rambled on. I, didn't I know really you're working on a, a hammer maker forge. I'm working. That's right. I'm working on a hammer maker forge yesterday. I've been designing it in fusion in digital format for the last couple of months. And then finally executed the actual physical tangible part of it and ran into a couple of issues, um, mainly with the door hinging system and stuff. A couple things. I want everybody that's listening to this that thinks that they might be able to help me. I need one thing. I need some help with this. So if you look at my one of my latest reels, you'll see the hinging system for the Hammer Maker Forge. It works great. The whole point of that door folding down is <clears throat> I wanted the user to be able to use the door as a mm. shelf. Okay. So when it folds down and you're working with hammer billets, let's just say, or big ashtrays or something, I wanted it to be rigid enough so that it can support, you know, heavy, heavier things. I've got that side of it figured out. Now I need a way to lock that door in its closed position and easily make it open and closable. And I can already hear the gears turning in Will, like Spruce Hill Studios. I, I, I hear him like I can hear the hamster on the wheel in there. <laughs> I am I am like 90% there. The door I, works. I think- it fits. 
I think I have an idea. I just idea. don't know how to finish it. Okay, I'm, I'm open to hearing it. Okay, so I, you, I am stuck. So you know, say you have your hinge on uh, your left side and your right side of that door. Yes, sir. Okay, on that hinge, what you can do is make some kind of a notch there in that hinge. Okay. And then on the top left-hand corner, say if you're going to make that notch on the left hinge, your top left-hand corner of your top of the door, you're going to yeah. have some kind of, you know, either like a, um, I don't know if springs would be affected by the heat coming out of the forge, most likely yes, but some kind of mechanism there where you could just pull up on a little rod that goes into that tab that's notched into your hinge. So that will keep it closed. So you take, so, so you could take your tongs, you pull up on that tab and that will bring yeah. your door down. That will act as your door handle. Mm. So the pivot point can't be isolated, right? Because the, the notches, it ha the whole, the bottom of the door has to move as much as the top of the door, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Okay. I know I've seen that system before. Um, and I, I think maybe that is a good choice. It would just be did, like, it would be running yeah. down the side of your door, that rod or whatever. That's got like a, yeah. uh, like a, a point in it or either a ground in edge or something, you know, like a bevel so that it could slide up your, your, um, your hinge as it's closing. And then when it gets to that notch, that rod will slide back down into the, the, the notch. And it'll keep your door closed. So when you want to open the door, you just lift that rod that's on part of the door. It has to be, you know, able to move, obviously, slide up and down. And with an angle at the top, maybe, so you could grab it with the tongs. And then you just lift it and pull it down. And then mm. you could push it yep. closed. I have seen that system done before. It is the That was where my brain went initially. Uh, so yeah, maybe that's, that's what I need to do is look into currently you have, you it, have the doors on a rail system, correct? Um, yes. I would be super worried about those rails warping and, you know, going out of sync, like, okay. So yeah, I, I, I did have that con that idea too. And so what I did was, um, and you'll see this in later, uh, videos is that I created two holes on the side, sort of towards the bottom of the forge on the inside that go all the way through that are protected with a castellite plug that are for blow-by. Mm. And what that's hopefully going to do, I need to obviously test this, is that instead of the heat coming out of the door or around the door, it's going to blow through those mm. holes, if that makes sense. So any off-gassing will come through those holes. And you're right, Brian, because any steel you put around that door is going to yeah. warp. And that's why I wanted those rigid, you know, hinging, sliding hinge things, because they probably won't warp that mm. bad. They stick far enough away from the, the heat. And I've also created a castable refractory. Um, it's it's a piece. There's two pieces. We had to do it in two pieces, but it's castable. It's cast a light that is a, a, a rail that goes around the door and it protects all that steel there. Um, and it's like custom, you know, that uh, and it th the, the 3D printable mold actually fits on a small like bamboo printer, which is pretty cool, okay. too. Um, but you'll see all that in later developments. For now, I'm going to leave it how I have it and then figure out a, a way to make this one work so I can get this off to Ryan. But the cool thing is is once I do figure it out, all I have to do is cut that fresh plate, 
you know, that front plate and he can pop that other one off and put yes. it, put the new plate on and, and, uh, change the whole door system. So, uh, but anyway, if you guys watch it and you're listening to this and you watch it, uh, give me some feedback on that. Uh, I would, I just need it. I can't, my brain is fucking melting. I'm like at the point where I'm just like, uh, I don't know what to do now. Here's, so I need here's some a help. Question. Can I get a custom <laughs> sure. version of that with a pizza stone in the bottom of it? Uh, <laughs> actually a pizza would fit in this yeah. actually a, a one foot, a 12 inch pizza would definitely fit. House in made this. pizza it would oven. be done yeah. in like, so oh if God, you want, we, uh, Brian. we should do that. We should make a, a we should take a pizza stone, fire that thing and see how long it takes to cook yeah. a pizza. In there. Well, that keep it fun. low. Just get it to like, what is it like? 700 degrees is what most. Yeah. I mean, that's doable. Yeah, totally do. Um, if you want, after the show, uh, we could do a quick video call and I'll, uh, I'll it'd be easier for me to explain on paper what I yeah. mean for the, the, the your door. Yeah, no, I I know yeah. what you're talking you know what about. Talking I've about, seen yeah. that. I exactly know exactly what you're talking about. It's basically a pivoting system that both sides pivot up and down, and you can pivot the bottom, you can pivot the top, and then it's kind of like notches that they sit in. Yeah, so that I, way you I've could actually it. keep the door halfway open too, if you add more than one notch. That's in that that the, exactly your hinge part. Yeah, I do like that feature. I I think I think that would be the simplest way out of it like to, to get it done in solid and not have to go back and you know revamp or redesign a a concept mm. like your original doors on yes. the apollo how many doors did you come up with and then you oh released it into the wild and you still had some adjustments to make and you changed the hinging system on that you know so it's by far the door is by far the most difficult I believe it part of any build because of forge build, because you're trying to make it resilient enough that it can withstand all of that heat and then still make it so that you can open and close it. You know, it's, it's hands down the most engineering challenging engineering thing that I've ever done. And, uh, and I do get a lot of suggestions from people and I, I people tell me things and I'm just like, you know, yeah, that's that sounds great, but it's gonna warp. You know, it's gonna fucking warp in that heat, and then then it won't work at right. all. So, uh, but the hinging system, yeah, on the Apollo, it's like we changed it out to just some simple welding hinges, and it works. Mm-hmm. You know, so I actually had a guy in my workshop yesterday came down from Canada, Newfoundland. Uh, he he came in from Newfoundland, and um, he uh, told me that Jason Knight is using my forges exclusively. He just took a class at Jason's place and said that Jason's using my forges exclusively for his classes and just cannot believe how efficient they are and how uh, hot and how fast they get. That's probably why he uses them. Well, he didn't know how to use them initially. I feel bad. He had them in his shop for a while, and I just never went up there and showed him how to use them. And then Coy was in his workshop and showed him how to fire them. And then once Coy kind of showed him how to dial it all in, uh, Jason – took his other forges shoved them in a corner and uses the apollos now uh exclusively so gotta love that i yeah. mean geez i mean that's just freaking great Speaking all of right Koi. so uh, yeah i was just gonna say you took the words yeah. out of my mouth i was like somebody get to these sponsors and then we'll hit the wf project wfi projects after i'll, I'll let you guys take over i was gonna say i was let brian house do that because he's so damn good yeah <laughs> I, I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. In fact, I'm going to step away from the microphone. All right, Cohen, you were about right to back. go off on it, so go right ahead. 
Sure. So speaking of Koi Baker, Baker Fortune's tool sponsors the podcast and makes it happen. So if you guys want to see the most mind-melting, crazy Damascus steel out there, all you have to do is go over to BakerForge.com, use promo code WFI10 for 10% off, and you will be able to get the best demat, you know, the best copper uh bronze my i mean all of these crazy crazy damascus uh pickle do you have some of those um some of those damascus names out there pulled up there's the oh they got their uh just give me a second actually because we will pull up their page right here right live uh we got the copper my bronze my stuff that's obvious right right and, and then we have their um Oh, come on, I just had it. Where did it go? <laughs> Shop. There we this, go. Sorry about that, guys. This is why uh, Brian I, does these. I know, right? He's so good at them. All right, so we got the Elite Copper My Chevron. We got the Ice Storm Wavy. We got the Tiger My Raindrop. We got I Hit Back. That's okay. <laughs> we, we got it. We got it. We got it. Anyways, yeah. We WFI got all the good ten, stuff there. Yeah, WFI 10 for 10% off over at BakerForge.com. And when you want to move on to the handle material, go check out Maritime Knife Supply. They've got everything that you could ever need, be it G10, other handle materials, tools, supplies, everything. You got to go over to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com or .ca if you're Canadian. And yeah, he ships super quick. He gets it to you here in the U.S. as if it was shipped in the U.S. Super quick shipping. Lawrence Lake is the man. He gets it to you quick and efficiently, and then you also win a little bit on the uh, U.S. dollar to Canadian dollar exchange rate. So go check out MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. The last one is Pelican Paste. Once you finish your knife, you're not just going to let it go like out into the world without any sort of protection on it. You need to get yourself some Pelican Paste. It is by far the best knife wax in the market. There's the hard wax, the soft wax. He even has like this hand salve stuff, working hands, that is absolutely fantastic. It's been keeping my hands nice and chap-free in the in the cold winters up here in Michigan. So go over to pelicanpaste.com. Use WFI10 for 10% off. All right, boys. Let's go over to hashtag WFI projects. Um, me, 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 me. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I am going to shout out Valentini Garage Works. Um, I actually found one that's less than two days old. So uh, he just slammed out two Kiridashis. Kiridashis. I have a hard time with that word. But yeah, <laughs> J- Japanese marking knives. Uh, they're in Damascus and they're pretty badass. And he did like a rock texture on the spines and everything. And they're really neat. I like uh, what he did with those. He's a fairly new maker as well, too. He's got 1,600 followers. He has an Etsy shop. He puts out beautiful work. Um, he's actually one that one of my followers that's always on my lives, and he gets in on things and all that, too. So he's a, a maker that supports the community as well, too. Um, but well, just like everybody else, if we're going to go with the Instagrams, go give him a follow and some likes and some shares because I'm looking at his reels and there's no reason for somebody with over 1600 followers to get only 275 views on a reel. Like it makes no sense. What was the name on that one? Valentini underscore garage nice. underscore works. There it is. All right, I've got Florida Man Forge. He is doing this crazy giveaway. Have you guys been seeing seeing that? 
Is it the uh, rod yeah. iron giveaway? He's doing yeah. the giant chain pieces. Um, I'm not quite sure what these what this chain came off of. I imagine it was a giant boat of some sort. But uh, yeah, so he's he's doing this giveaway where if you basically put your name and you you mark or you tag a few people, then he puts you in a drawing situation. I actually went straight to him and said, "Hey, how how would you like to trade some carbon fiber?" like some of the black pearl strips that I have. And we made a trade. I got the box. The box was empty. It broke uh. open somewhere in between. So maybe I'll have to pony up for some more, but man, oh man, it's a crazy amount of run per link. I think it's like 30, 31 pounds. 30 pounds. Yeah. Something like that per link. So, I mean, you're getting a tremendous amount and I've been seeing quite a few different makers use it already. So, Good stuff. Go check out Florida Man Forge. Give them a follow. Yeah, and I'm, I did confirm that the uh, rot that Koi is using came nice. from Justin. Yeah. So, yeah, that's an amazing thing. So, in Florida Man Forge, by the way, all one word, Justin Miller, 1,851 followers. Hmm. He's just an all-around good He's guy. He's like the so Tiger King go. of rot iron. <laughs> 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 Yeah, that's that's. Funny. He's got your wrought iron, that's for sure. He seems to find that shit everywhere. It's like he, he gets these jobs that he does sod, right? And I remember last year, the year before something, he came up on this job where he was digging, and I forgot how long of a chain it was, but there was like this big-ass wrought iron chain just buried on the property, and he dug it up. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like, I, like if I want to find wrought iron here, I have to walk the river like and hope to find like an old wrought iron axe head or something from back in the day. That's the most I'll find here probably. Yeah. Well, because where he's located, there's some deep water ports. Yeah, exactly. Right by near, the ports. Uh, uh, yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of wrought iron mm. chain that's just kind of discarded mm. along that coast, yep. uh, which is like the North <clears throat> Northeast coast of Florida. Yep. So, yeah, he's got some access and so to some cool yeah. stuff, and it and that, in fact, it, a lot of it's sitting down here in Miami and all of that too, because we've got mm. some deep water ports on that side. Yeah, too. I'm sure if we'd go uh, to the east coast of New Brunswick, there by the ports, we'd probably find some chain and all that. Uh, like they said, the yep. most you find here is wagon wheel and you know old logging stuff from back in the day. Yep, yep, for sure. I'm going to shout out Burgers Blades, B-E-R-G-E-R-S Blades, and that's Matt Berger. He's a good dude, 2,831 followers. If you're not following him, go check him out. I like this reel that he put up 15 hours ago, and it's um, him using his coal iron uh, press, and he's making spatulas. He or uh, Yeah, I guess these are spatulas, and he's using the coal iron press as a riveting tool. And I, so yes. I'm just fascinated by the, this process because he's come up with kind of a cool, uh, die system where the, the rivets sit down their copper rivets. This is what I'm talking about. Um, I know Matt listens to the podcast. I'm not taking credit for this project by any means, cause I'm sure he's done it for years, but he's a knife maker branching out into making other things because he has all the tools in order to do it and he can get into a lower price point product that he can sell at his table and again i'm going to just say this real quick that's what's called breaking the ice customer comes buys a 50 dollars spatula that's handmade by you 
And then, you know, a year later, they're buying knives from you. So just keep that in mind. You know, a lot of these guys are like, no one's buying my knives and no one's doing this and that. And the other thing, it's like, yeah, well, you know, not everybody can afford a three hundred to five hundred dollar knife, but they might want to support your work in another way. Give them that option. okay? And that's why I love this. Uh, Jeff's doing the same thing with spatulas. He's rehandling spatulas. We talked about that on the Full Blast podcast about how important it is to have a lower price point item so people can support your work in other, you know, other than buying a really expensive thing. So uh, keep that in mind. And it's a really important part of business. And Bert, Matt, appreciate you sharing and using the hashtag WFI projects. I don't know if you guys have seen, but we have 17,506 wow. projects tagged. And why is it when I look hashtag. for projects, I'm pulling up projects from 2022 <laughs> and 2023 still? Like, I like I'm literally looking at know. one of you sharpening with the, the, the sharpening system, a hand sharpening system, guided one. And it's from like J- June 2023. Mm. Like, and it's at the top of yeah. the list of most recent ones. That's because you're seeing top posts of that are using that hashtag. I stopped using the hashtag because I was yeah. just flooding. You know, I'm so po- I'm so popular and so handsome. People are just watching what I'm doing. So, so if I do filter wanna... recent top posts, my recent top posts, the first one that I will see is from. I'm serious. Is the art of craftsmanship November fifth, twenty twenty one, where he's making masks for a double bit axe? That's the most recent Weird. top post. Yeah. It, it's the algorithm feed it feeding it yeah. to you. However, so yeah, you really do have to look through them. And, yeah. yeah, you know, kind of scroll through them. I'm looking at one from January. Well, it's from this year, January twelfth, and it's Lando Novak, the abstract underscore blacksmith. Also, the very talented host of the Forge Side Chat podcast. And it's uh, just a graphic showing how to peen yeah, over yeah. a rivet. And it's it's like he hashtagged WFI projects and it comes up. And because there was so much engagement on it and so many people like the picture, it, it's just showing it to me. And but it's super fucking helpful stuff. And I'm glad and I'm, I'm like, I'm glad I'm seeing it. Um, so, you know, I love the, I love the fact that it can mix it up, but you do have to dig a little bit because my, my feet is filled with Jeanette yeah. uh, <laughs> and her wooden spoons. I mean, she, cause she tags WFI in every one of her projects and, uh, you know, we love her. She's just mm-hmm. like doing amazing work and it's something outside of our regular knife making and steel work. So, um, just, uh, check out Jeanette, check out Lando on, uh, Instagram. They're both like, I think. Cow Jeanette, gosh, what does she have? So Fifteen thousand eight hundred followers. Yeah, so she's, she's got just like, when she started tagging WFI, she had yeah. like a thousand followers, yep. maybe. If that man, good job, Pickle, so, for coming yeah. up with this concept. What concept? the WFI projects? You did, you did great coming up with that. I didn't come up with that. <laughs> I didn't come up with that. What the fuck are you talking I'm about? Sure, fool? I'm pretty sure yeah, it was someone. me, but I, I don't know. Hey, listen, I'll, I'll take the credit if it's. <laughs> really do but yeah <laughs> sure pickle can't remember what he came up with <laughs> all those edibles why, why do you think all my knives are different i could never make the same mm. knife <laughs> he can't remember yeah. how to make it uh all right so you guys have any other projects you want to pull out of the bucket um, i had one from simple little knives i i closed the app of course like an idiot um 
simple little knives. I'm gonna try to refine it. He's using a router and he's showing the process of using a router and a router table. Yeah, I've completely lost it. But simple little knives. If you go check out him, you can see more of his work. But yeah, that router idea for rounding over your handle scales, getting the rough shape to then move on from there, hand sanding or you know shaping. Yeah, I know that's something that you do pickle quite a bit, and that's something that I need to. Yeah, I've been doing that for a couple of years. Yeah, now. I need to pick up a router and a routing table because that is dude. It's fairly cheap. You know, you could probably get a good uh, trim router for like under $70 and then get yourself just a uh, router table insert and make your own little stand for it. And that's like 20 bucks for that. So under a hundred dollars, you could probably make yourself a decent setup and uh, save yourself a lot of time. You get that perfect symmetry on both sides of your scales and it puts you ahead in the process big time, you know, and there's materials that don't really like being worked with on a grinder for say like Macarda's they burn up Mm -hmm. and shit. Um, when it comes to working all that stuff with a router, I have one dedicated bit for all my synthetic stuff because they are harder on the router mm-hmm. bits. And um, I don't deal with any Macarda's burning up or anything like that. You know, it's just clean right off the fucking... There's some scales that I just bead blast right off the router and do no hand sanding on them mm. whatsoever. So yeah, go check out Simple so, Little Knives. He's from Melbourne, Australia. He's He's a... A maker down under. He's got 1,478 followers, so go bump up that number. Simple little knives. And this is not a WFI project hashtag or nothing, but Sharky just posted a reel about shark facts dressed up as a shark. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's pretty entertaining. So I'll be checking that out after the show. <laughs> Speak. I should wear my pickle suit more Speaking often. Speaking of after the show, do we, do we want to do a dad joke and then get into the after show? Oh, shit. Yeah, I was I was looking at uh okay, so you guys know Steve, I've been saying his name wrong. Grillo? So it's yes. Well, I thought it was Grillo. And then he finally corrected me because I've been saying Steve for three Grillo years for now. All these years. <laughs> he says his last name is pronounced Grillo. Grillo. Yeah, it's Italian. Yeah, Italian. Gr- Grillio. So yeah. see, I had a friend that had the same last name, Tony, in Connecticut. This kid that actually worked with us, and he even pronounces his last name wrong because <laughs> that's exactly I how know. it's spelled. It, it, he says Grillo. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. It looks like Grillo. Yep. So, uh, uh, do you guys know why railroad employees are you, so you good already at their did jobs, this one, dude? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, a truck carrying Worcestershire sauce crashes. What's what the situation? It? It's hard to say. <laughs> Worcestershire. Worcestershire. I don't know. The Worcestershire. What did the horse say after it? What did the horse say after it tripped and what? fell? Help! I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> Last night I dreamed I was a vinyl yeah. record. And I woke up feeling <laughs> What do you call an angry carrot? What? A steamed veggie. <laughs> <laughs> do you know where po- right, do you know where polar po- wait one more? Do you know where polar bear right. do you know where polar bears keep Where's their money? That? Where? In a snowbank. Uh, <laughs> All right, like that's that enough. One. 
question after show well, question yeah 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 i'm looking here i uh ba, 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 ba. we're running out of questions by the way so if you're if you have a question you want to ask us uh make sure you send it to us in the back end of patreon because if you're a patron you get to send us a direct message there and we'll answer those questions in the after show um let me dig through here okay tim here we go here we go tim mr tim fisher this is the last question i really have in the in the messaging system so if you guys have a question you would like to hear us answer uh please send it to us in the back end of patreon um okay so happy hey fam happy new year question for the after show this is from tim fisher and i believe he's an australian too actually uh, I want to start a YouTube channel this year, but my AdSense account mm. is banned from some slightly shady SEO stuff <laughs> I did 15 years ago. Oh, shit. <laughs> Should I go through the hassle of creating a whole new Google identity with address, tax file number, IP address, etc., so it can get a new account, or just do without AdSense and monetize mm. by selling my own products? I have a very good answer for this, and oh, I'm yeah. sure you do too, Brian. Um, <laughs> and we're going to answer yes, that sir. in the after show. All right, and we'll we'll do that there. So if you want to listen to our answer or ask us a question in the after show, you have to be a patron. It's ten dollars and eighty cents a year. It keeps the show commercial free. You can join hundreds of your contemporaries doing the exact same thing, supporting our show. It also helps pay for us to go to Blade Show and Maker Camp and all that other stuff. So anyhow, guys, appreciate you, and we'll see you in the after see show. See you guys. Yeah, man. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.